Have you ever said something out loud that you're like, ah, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that? Anybody ever done that? Am I the only one that's ever done that? I've done that a lot. Um, you know, uh, there have been so many times that I've been, uh, I've regretted what's come out of my mouth. And, and unfortunately, this week, I've had so many illustrations to pull from in my life. Um, and, uh, but I, I, I can remember years ago, uh, I didn't play baseball. I wasn't very good at baseball. And, uh, um, and, and so I, I liked playing, not sitting on the bench. So I started playing tennis and quit baseball because I used to have to rub dirt on my uniform so my mom would wash it. And, uh, but uh, years ago, God has a sense of humor. And so the Lord allowed me to be a part of starting a select baseball team. And some of you may not know that about my journey, but the ambassadors will be coming this summer. And, and so it was this journey of, I didn't know much about baseball, but we started this select baseball ministry. And in our first year with the ambassadors, we were playing at Oklahoma State. And, uh, and I'm just in the dugout, and I have a uniform on, even though I had no clue about it, and it was incredible. And I, we're at Oklahoma State, and we were playing this team from Texas, and they were really good. It was in the semifinals of this big tournament. And uh, they, we were facing this pitcher that was a sidearm pitcher. He was just tough. He was a big D1 guy, and he was a really good pitcher. And, and our guys just couldn't get a hold of him. And, and so thankfully, in the, in the start of the seventh inning, they brought in a relief pitcher, and we were losing five to three in the bottom of the seventh. This is our last inning. And, um, and our guys just started rock, just started just killing this guy that came in. And, and they were hitting everything he was throwing. It was incredible. Well, we quickly tied the game. So now it's five to five, bottom of the seventh. And um, I'm, si I'm sitting next to Lee Tunnel. Lee is one of our coaches. He pitched for the Cardinals in the, in the World Series in the 80s. He, he is currently the bullpen coach for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I'm sitting next to Lee, and they told me, don't move. Don't move. You got to stay right there. I'm like, okay. So I'm just staying, sitting on this, this bucket because I can't move because we were doing better. If you know baseball, you understand that. And, um, and, and I'm, so I can't get off the bucket. And I look at Lee, and I say, we got this. Yeah, you see, Owasso knows baseball, right? And, uh, and Lee looks at me like I had three heads and said, you can't say that. And I go, Lee, come on, man. It's, it's five to five. We have runners on the corners, no outs. This guy is scared to death. We've got our best hitters coming up. And he looks at me, he goes, don't say that. I can't believe you said that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, as you can guess what happened, our best hitter, our, our leadoff batter comes up, pop up to the catcher, out one. Then the next pitch, our guy on first was supposed to steal, but he just didn't get a good jump. So the next pitch, a real easy ground ball to the second baseman, double play, inning over. We lose six to five in the eighth inning. And I'm like, how did that happen? And Lee was like, you did that. You did it. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And then I learned the, the next great lesson that there's no crying in baseball, right? And uh, so I learned that. I, but our words can make an impact, right? What we say makes a difference. And this morning, we're gonna look at James chapter three. And, and I'll be honest, this is deeply convicting, 
And, and, and the writer, James, the brother of Jesus, it's interesting because every one of the chapters that he writes, deal, he, does, he deals with the mouth or the tongue, what we say. In fact, he, of any New Testament writer, he does the most at speaking to our tongue, to our mouth, watching our mouth. James chapter 3 um, is this incredible passage where James is confrontational with us and we can't help but study this passage and feel the conviction of God. And I, and I want you to know, I want you to be ready because this is a, a, a deeply convicting passage of Scripture and we all feel it. But I want, to, I want us to remember the hope that we have. In the midst of the conviction, in the midst of our failures, we can come to the altar. We can come to Jesus. And I pray that we all do that today. And, and when you look at James 3, he has a lot to say about what we say. So would you stand with me and let's look. What we're going to do today is, is we're going to just read 1 through 5, James chapter 3, 1 through 5. But I want you to stay with me because we're going to walk through verse 12 in our text today. So I'd love for you to stay with us and allow God's word to, to shape us and change us. James 3, 1 starts out, James says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Now, Chad's going to help us get our technology working, and so sometimes it doesn't work, and that's okay. God still moves in spite of it, right? Um, but the first thing, if you have your notes, I want you to follow along with us, because the first thing I want you to see is that our words always make an impact, right? What we say always makes a difference. Now, I want you to see this this morning, that, that we understand from Scripture that, that God wor God's Word helps us recognize some things about our words. First of all, you see in the impact of our words that God pays attention to everything we say. Do you know that? That God pays attention to what you say? And this is, we see this all through scripture. Uh, a really cool verse that I want you to know and hear is 2 Corinthians 5.10 that says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us will receive, may receive what is due him for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now the Bible talks about that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now this is for believers, that every Christian, every follower of Christ will stand before the judgment seat of God. And, and this is important to, to understand. God's, God expects us to follow him. He calls us to follow him. 
Now, we understand that as a Christian, when we stand before God, Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We know that when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to be giving an account for whether we're going to heaven or not, because Jesus settled that for us. But don't be mistaken, you and I, as believers, will give an account for the way we lived, the way we ran the race marked out for us. And the Bible's clear that that God pays attention to what we say. Look at verse 1. It says in James 3, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Now, obviously, as your pastor, as the guys that, that are called to equip the church for the works of ministry, I'm very aware that I am going to be judged more strictly than some people because of the role God has called me to. Now, I'm aware of this. I think about this weekly as I get up to preach, and, and that, that the words that I say matter. The way I live matters. And this is important. If you're a Sunday school teacher today, the, the way you teach matters. The words you say matter. And so we see right here in James that he's pointing out that, look, if you're a teacher, you're going to face a stricter judgment. Now, again, this is not for our salvation. That's settled, and we're grateful for that. However, we want to we please the Lord, don't we? Don't we want to run the race that God marks out for us well? Yes. Now, at the same time that teachers and preachers and pastors are going to be judged more strictly, the reality is every believer, all of us, teach to some degree, right? Like when you think about the parents teach their kids, um, uh, you know, we give advice to our friends. Like we've talked about, 1 Peter 3.15 says that when, when you set apart Christ as Lord, you need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And my job as your pastor, as, your, as, as the pastor of this church, and we have several pastors of this church, our job is to equip you for the works of ministry. And so I want you to understand that as a believer and lost people looking into our lives, we are teaching, right? And so it's important that we understand that a responsible teacher is responsible to teach truth, not just their opinion, right? The responsible teacher, what he says will affect lives. A responsible teacher is expected to model what he teaches. So it's not just the words he says, it's how he lives his life. And so it's important for us to to not just go over verse one in chapter three and go, yeah, that's for somebody else. No, this is for all of us as believers in Christ. Because let me tell you what what our job is as believers. We are called to, like that song ended so powerfully. This is the message that the world needs to know. And it's our job as believers to be ambassadors for Christ where we communicate the truths of God's word. We teach people, we model the truths of God's word. And this is why we must be a church that's not asleep. 
This is why we must be a church that, that, is, that has open chairs for people, that we are making a difference in the, in the darkness. Because as teachers, I believe we're held to a stricter judgment. And I'll tell you, when, when we stand, I want to be prepared for that meeting with the Lord. As your pastor, I want to prepare you. I want to help you be prepared for that meeting with the Lord. And now Jesus said some incredible things in Matthew 12. We have it up here, Matthew 12, 36. Jesus says, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And we've got to see that our words come back to us. That God pays attention to what we say. And this is important. The words we shape tend to, tend to shape us. And this is something we see. We also see in this is that our words make an impact, that our mouth sets the course for our life. And what comes out of our mouth, it really does set the course. Look at verse, three, verse 2 in James 3. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, isn't that interesting? That, that he says, uh, he knows that every one of us are going to struggle with what we say. And he says, if we can learn to control our mouth, we'll be able to control our own body. And, and this, our whole body, everything. And, and, and really what he, what he does, it's interesting, the power of our tongue the power of what we say, because it shows that if we can control this, we can control everything else. What we eat, how we act, everything. That's interesting, because in Matthew 12, the verse we looked at, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and the context of Matthew 12 is, is these Pharisees that were teaching false things. They were, they, were, they were teaching the law, but they weren't living it. And, and Jesus says to him, and if you look at Matthew 12, verse 33, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit is good, or make the tree bad and its fruit is bad. And then he, Jesus says, for the tree is known by its fruit. Jesus goes on to say, you, in verse 34 of Matthew 12, he says, you brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart, Jesus said. Now what he's saying is, is our heart is like this, it's like this pool. And what, what's in our heart, this pool that we store up, this reservoir in our heart, and what happens is, is what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's inside of our hearts. And this is why, um, We've got to deal with the Lord. This is why we hear the conviction of the Lord today. Because it's like we store up things in our heart by what we see, what we look at, what we dwell on, what we put into our mind, our hearts, that comes out of our mouth. And so today we can really evaluate, and we're forced to evaluate what, the, what our heart says. Because we can think about what's been coming out of my mouth. Well, that's what's in my heart. And it's deeply convicting. Look at verse five. I mean, J James, verses three through five, he gives this illustration about, it's like these big horses 
that, that they put a bridle in their mouth and you can control this huge animal. And it's just a little thing that's in the horse's mouth that you can make, it, make this huge, powerful animal go wherever you want it to go. James says it's like the ships that we see, that these huge ships are controlled by a very small rudder. James 3, 5 says, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. And I want you to see today the power of our tongue, the power of what we say. God pays attention to what we say, that, that our mouth sets the course of our life. So what should we do? Well, we should, we should pay attention to this. And we should, we should first of all, our, we understand that our tongue can be an incredible blessing. And, and I want you to see that today, that, that your mouth, what God has given you, can be an incredible blessing to people. You can be an encouragement. And this is something I pray that we, we, we do. We, we, we use our mouth to encourage one another. So often we don't do that, we, but, but, but we're called to use it as a believer to lift people up, to, to, to strengthen people, to encourage people. It's like Proverbs 16, 23 and 24 says this, the heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Look at this, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That God is moving us to, to to use our mouth to help people, to encourage, to lift up. And we have a choice in this. And another way that we can use our mouth to be a blessing is, is, is we're called to share Christ with people. That we're called to use our mouth to share Christ with others. And I, I pray that, every, that our entire church is equipped to share Christ. And you may think, preacher, I can't do that. I mean, my friends are gonna think, man, I'm just beating it down their head or I'm this religious fanatic. But can I tell you, it's so easy to share Christ with people. You, it's just bragging about Jesus. I mean, that's all you have to do to share Christ with somebody. Brag about Jesus. Talk about what he's done in your life, a prayer that he's answered. Now, we do have to get to the, the, the tenets of salvation, what salvation is, where, where it's that we're a sinner and we need to be forgiven because we're not good on our own. We need to turn to Jesus. There is a point that we need to know, like the baptism we saw this morning, of, of, a, of a childlike faith that says, Jesus, I need you in my life. We do need to come to that point where we say, look, Lord, I need to be forgiven. And if that's not happened to you, I pray that happens today, that you know Christ as your Savior. But, but I do want, want us to realize that we're to use our tongue as a blessing it's like Proverbs 10, 21 says this, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. You know that verse, look at this, feed many. The lips of the righteous feed many. That God uses us that are, that are righteous. Now, you may not feel righteous very often. I don't feel righteous very often. But you know what I understand? That God made me righteous. Jesus made me right with him when he saved me, when he washed my sins away. And when I confess my sins, like 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just and will forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so it's important for us to daily practice this confession of sin, daily deal with our sin. And I'll tell you, as you, as you daily do this, and you experience the forgiveness of God, you can't help but brag about Jesus. 
And this is something I pray we, we learn how to do. And Sunday school teachers, we've challenged you. Um, and, and I want to keep this challenge in front of us, that if you're a Sunday school teacher, that everyone in your class knows how to communicate the gospel. Everyone in your group is able to articulate what salvation is. Folks, this is why you should be in a group. This is why you should be in life with one another and not just come to the big room. But, but I want us to see the impact of our tongue. We use it as a blessing. Look at verse 5. James 3 says, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. Look at this, what he says. See how great a forest fire, see how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. Look at this and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. You see that? I mean, our, it, James is pointing out that our mouth can be destructive too. It's interesting how um, our mouth can, can really be something that God uses, or that Satan uses, excuse me, that Satan uses to destroy and we see this, like, like Proverbs 17, 27, and 28, a worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife. A slanderer separates intimate friends. You know, a fire can destroy, can scar, can mutilate, and you know that so can our tongue? So can what we say? And this is important. You see the effect here, the, the, in verse six, the effect comes from hell. And, and James gives this description of the tongue, this warning, but, but look, at, look at verse seven and eight. He talks about the, look at all the animals. These animals are, are tamed. But verse eight says, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Our tongue has the ability to, to destroy what we have. And I want us to see that today. It's like the, the challenge of being a verbal arsonist, where, where we can, can, can destroy somebody with what we say. It's like when we were a kid, we learned those words that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, remember? That's not true. That is not true. Because I'll tell you, I've been punched in the face a couple of times in my life, really hard, couple times. But can I tell you, words that have been said to me have hurt much more than Thomas Anderson's fist hitting me twice, once in my eye, once in my mouth. Words have hurt much more deeply than that. And it's important that we understand that our words are de devastating. Look at what James warns us, verse nine. He says, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. For from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. Now, when he says this, it's not, he's saying, look, we can come and sing praises to God and say, God, you've done all this, we love you, praise you. But then we can also have cursing. Now, this is not necessarily saying bad cuss words. 
though that's a reflection of your heart and you ought to root that out. I think what he's describing here is this, I'm, I'm, I'm tearing someone down by the words I say. And, and look at what verse, James goes on to say in verse 10. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Now remember, James is writing to believers. He's writing to those who have been changed. Now we've already looked at this as we look at faith without works last week. And, and he's saying, look, because of what Christ has done in your life, you're different. You act differently. And most of the time when we think of what does the church do, we think about coming into this room and doing things. But James has it right because he's like, no, he's talking about what the church does in our lives, everywhere we go, outside of this room. Now, that's really where the ministry and the worship begins is when we leave this place. Because we worship God, we give worth to God every day of our lives. And we should, we should do this. Verse 11, James says, Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine tree, a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. You know what James is saying here? Point number two in your notes I want you to catch today is that God helps us to tame the tongue. This is what God's spirit does. This is why we come to Jesus. This is why we follow him because his spirit helps us. And in verse 10, James says, look, this shouldn't be this way. This ought not be this way because, because you're a believer, because Christ is in you. The Spirit of God gives you power. The Spirit of God convicts us. This is why we are learning not to push away conviction. So often we want to do that. We want to, oh, that makes me feel bad. I want to push that away. But see, the Scripture moves us to embrace conviction, that when we mess up, we repent. We come to Jesus. Now, now, I want us to see today that God helps us tame the tongue. Now, there's some quick notes I want us to go through to, to look at how Jesus does this, how God does this. Because if it, it, it begins, it starts with real repentance. And I want you to see this, that when we, when we allow Christ to tame our tongue, it starts with repentance, real repentance. Now, we come and ask forgiveness, and this is a practice we should do all the time. You should be daily asking God for forgiveness. But it's not just this, I ask forgiveness and go on. Repentance is, now I'm gonna turn and go another direction. That's repentance. And anytime you see in scripture, you see, faith, you see confession and repentance going together. And see, a lot of people get it wrong. They say, oh, I'm just gonna confess, but then not change, not do anything different. No, that's not, that's not, what, it, that's not what the Spirit of God does in us. I'm not saying we don't struggle continually, but, but, but we've got to say, Lord, I give you this. I confess my weakness. I confess my struggle here. And then you're moved to not throw somebody under the bus, not to, to change what's in your heart, to, like Chad said, put God's word in your heart. This is why we want to push you to memorize the Bible, memorize Scripture. You should be doing this in your Sunday school class, in your groups of memorizing scripture together because, you know, I found that that's been one of the greatest tools in my battle against temptation. There are times I'm tempted with something and God reminds me of a scripture that I'm memorizing or working on. And that's hard. That's work. 
That's okay. James said we should work. He's telling us that. But it starts with real repentance. It, and then it's fleshed out as James helps us understand that we're repenting. And, and what does this repentance look like? Well, it, it looks for the best in others. When, 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 once we repent of this and, and, and say, Lord, I'm going to go in another direction, so I'm going to start looking for the best in other people. You know, when you look for the best in someone else, you're going to cut them some slack, right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna overlook some flaws. Like, like 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. And see, there's, there's a lot of things that with people around us, people in our family, in our life, and sometimes we are the most verbally fire starters among those we're closest to, right? When, when it's the people we don't know very well, we're like, oh, how you doing? Good to see you, you know? But it's those husband-wife relationships where we're verbal arsonists. And see, we've got to start looking for the best in one another, love, loving one another. Now, I'm not talking about intentional flagrant sin because there is a way to confront biblically and we should be in one another's lives and getting in one another's way. And, but, but the Bible does warn us that, look, start looking. I think God leads us to look for the best in others. That's kind of what that repentance looks like. That repentance looks like, it, another one, let her see there, it refrains from constant criticism. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to look for constant criticisms. But you know what? Repentance here looks like I'm going to refrain from constantly criticizing. You know, one of the things that we do in our staff, we try to, we, we live this way. And I, I want you to write this down because this is something we're learning. And we, we constantly have to relearn this. But we say to our staff, we say to one another, I'll never talk about you until I first talk to you. Okay, I'll never talk about you until I first talk to you. And when I talk about you, it will never be against you, only for you. I want, you to, I want to say this again. I will never talk about you until I first talk to you. And when I talk about you, it will never be against you, only for you. What would happen if we lived that way? I mean, think about that. In your family, if you're frustrated with something, hey, let's talk about it. Let's not avoid it. In your work situation, if you're, let's talk about it. Let's not run away from it. I'm not going to talk about you until I first talk to you. We work it out. And then when I talk about you, I'm never going to talk against you. It's only going to be for you. It's like Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. That's who we're supposed to be. We're, to, we're lights in the world. We're to light up this place. And this is why we've got to refrain from this Constant criticism. Another part of that repentance, what that looks like, it does more listening than talking, right? You're, you're going to do more listening than talking. James reminded us in, in chapter 1. He says, this you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So we, we've got to be quick to listen. 
And part of this repentance that we see is, and one thing that I think we need to all work on today, and the, the Lord is leading us today, is, is let's go this week and be, do more listening than talking. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard for me. I mean, because I'm always thinking about what to say next, right? I'm like, I'm just waiting until they stop talking so I can tell them what I'm thinking about, right? You ever do that? Or is that just preacher problems? I don't know. But the reality is, we got to do more listening than talking. Now, here's another application to that repentance, what that looks like. Go in another direction. Last thing is it, it consistently submits to God. That we're submitting to God. And that's the way we're living our lives. This is, this is what repentance looks like especially with our speech, that we, we, are, we are unapologetically living our lives saying, God, we choose to submit to you. You know how, cra- you know, you know how different that is from the world? We live in a world that's like, hey, you don't submit to anybody. You know, I'm gonna disrupt someone that's speaking. I don't have to follow the rules. I don't have to follow the guidelines. But, but no, we are understanding and we are a group of people that say, look, life is better. Life is more peaceful. Life is more fulfilling when we understand that submitting to God is the best way to live. So now when it comes to our mouth this week, let's, let's embrace this. Let's, let's feel this. This call to say, Lord, we will submit to you. Cool verse, Psalm 141.3 says this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, this week, as we move forward in our walk with Christ, as we move forward in serving the Lord in our community, as we, as we continue the mission of this church, of, of being a church that makes a difference in this city, in the communities around us, that's our calling. That we, we are not called to be the same. We're called to bring change and to shine lights into this community. And so that begins in us, in our hearts, that Christ has saved us and Christ is, is, is sending us on a mission to this place. And we're going we're gonna to be careful what we say to one another. We're going to be careful the, the notes we write to one another. We're, we're going to be careful with the, 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 the text message that we sent. Like we all get mad and send that email and go, send. Ooh, maybe I should have thought about that before I sent it. Anybody ever done that? Let's live in submission to God. And can I tell you that the moment that you realize that God's plan for you is better than your plan. You will begin, you, that's when you begin to know what life is all about. And I've met people that say, oh man, following Jesus is boring, right? It's, it, I've met people that say, why would you follow those guidelines? I'm like, oh my goodness, following Jesus is the craziest adventure you'll ever go on. 
It's the greatest, it's the most amazing thing to watch the Lord move you and answer your prayers and speak to you and guide you and and direct you in the decisions that you make and and rescue you when the circumstances don't say it's going to work out. To move you to live by faith. Maybe some of you here today are so frustrated with your life because you've continually rejected submission to God. So I love that old song. It's my favorite invitation song. And they don't let me do it because I would just keep the invitation going and going and going. But remember that song, I surrender all. Don't miss the joy of living your life saying, Jesus, I surrender all to you, even my mouth. So this morning, let's not push that conviction away. Let's bring it in close. Let's, let's, let's be all together. Say, Lord, we hear you. Because I'm telling you, this passage is deeply convicting to every one of us. Because every one of us have to learn to submit to the Lord with our mouth. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right where you are.